0: Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Eat Local New York podcast. I'm your host, Anthony Tringale, and in this week's episode, I am having dinner and talking with Mayor Ben Walsh for the second and final episode of Dinner with the Candidates. Well, I uh, first just want to thank Amano for having us. We had dinner at Amano, I was you know, trying to find a restaurant in town that we could go and, and record this episode at and have dinner, and and be pretty invasive because you know we've got a big, relatively large you know audio video setup that we're bringing with us. It's not small, um, and so I was trying to find a restaurant that I wanted to eat at that would be a really cool setting and that was available. And you know the folks at Amano uh, opened up their restaurant on a night that they were closed. They were shut down. They're not even working. They're not even open. They came in, opened the restaurant up for us, let us use the whole dining room, made us dinner. I mean, it was just a it was it was just very gracious on their part and a wonderful experience. Um, I highly recommend you know going there for dinner. You know, you know, you know, you know. I highly recommend going there for dinner. I am often not telling people what my favorite restaurant is when we post. Publicly because I don't want to, you know, hurt anybody's feelings. Amano is, is our favorite restaurant. There's no question about that. I love Eden. I love St. Urban, but Amano is our favorite. And I'm going to tell you right now the top three restaurants in Syracuse. And they are Amano, Eden, and St. Urban. Those are the best three restaurants in the city of Syracuse, bar none. There's no question about it. Best three right there. So go check them out. Two of them are on the Eat Local card. That's pretty cool. I'm really happy that the mayor agreed to sit down with me. One thing that I learned that I realized as I was talking to him was that maybe it's just in my opinion, maybe it's not the same for you. But the current, and maybe you're not as involved, maybe you don't care as much, I don't know. The current mayor, the current you know whoever's holding the the political position, who's you know you know fighting for their job, right? Uh, They're held to like a much higher you know scrutiny. Well, I mean that's not the right way to put it. Um, Their decisions are put under a microscope. I feel like more than the person that's running against them that's trying to come into the position. You know, it's like. Candidate A can say, who has never held the position, can say, Well, listen, this is what I'm going to do, and this is what I'm going to do, and this is what I'm going to do, and this is my plan. And uh, I hope I get elected so that way I can get in there and do it. And then, for the mayor's point, it, you know, from the mayor's position, it's, Well, he's had four years. You know, let's go judge him on those, on all those, every tiny decision that he's made. That guy's had it rough, man. I mean, listen, four, I, I could not imagine being in that position. I'm a small business owner in a I'm a microcosm, like a, a tiny, you know, tiny, 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 mean nothing microcosm business owner. And I'm stressed. I could not imagine being the mayor of a freaking city. And on top of that, being the mayor of a city, being, you know, relatively young. Um and being the mayor of a city During a pandemic, holy cow, I would not uh, ever wish that position on anyone. Um, So the guy's had a rough four years just, you know, from that perspective. I'm not saying that to like defend him. I'm just saying I had this realization while I was talking to the mayor, cut him some slack. So that's what I was thinking. I'm not saying go vote for him because you need to cut him some slack. I'm just saying cut the guy some slack. Having said that, I also feel I will also say this. As we talked about it in the episode, I feel so and I know he you know he said, you know, whatever uh, to it, but uh he doesn't really take offense to it. I feel so bad for him that someone is out there running these like disg- or ran these disgusting ads against him uh using his image and his name against him. Because of the Columbus statue. I just, I really feel for the guy. I feel um, it's not a fun position to have. And um, you really, you know, and, and I, from the conversation I had with Counselor Bay, you really got to be a special person to have the care and dedication to a city and to a community the way that these two men, and I'm sure most public servants, have. And they should both be commended uh, for that. I don't really know what else to say in this intro. That's pretty much it. Go out and vote. Early voting is is happening now through I believe Saturday. Election day is on Tuesday. Voter turnout for these off year elections, off year is when the president isn't running, are very slow. But if the pandemic has taught us anything, it's that in politics, the only thing that matters is your local elections. You know, I I feel personally that the county executive did a great job. And so did, you know, the mayor did a good, I'm not going to say anything. I'm not going to say the mayor did a good or a great job. Because honestly, I don't really remember a whole hell of a lot of it. I think the county had more of a role in our day-to-day lives than the city of Syracuse did. No offense, Mayor Walsh. Um, but if the pandemic taught me anything, it's that your local officials, your local community, your, you know, city councilmen and women, your county legislators, your county executive, your mayors, your town boards, who like all of these people and then also moving into the state realm, have complete can have complete control over what happens to your life in situations like the pandemic. And frankly, we're not out of the pandemic. And so we need to be concerned about who we elect because these are the people that are going to be making these decisions. I mean, think back to the yellow and orange zones. For restaurants, back in you know November, December, January, February, I think it went through March, right? Maybe April. I mean, think about that. Think about how many restaurants were on the verge of collapse and closing because of those restrictions. Um, I mean, we we talk about one of them here in the podcast. We talk about Devin from the Brianwall Wall Eatery. I love Devin. I think he's a great guy. I loved his restaurant. I thought they made some really freaking great food. I'd say top five burgers that I've had uh, in Syracuse, bar none, and really great chicken sandwich. Um, And that guy was dedicated. His entire life is his restaurant. And between the pandemic and road construction, he had to close. So... These votes are important. It's important that you get out there and make a vote. Whoever you vote for, just go out there and vote. Um, Having said that, here's my conversation with Mayor Ben Walsh.
1: Thank you so much for coming on. Yeah. Uh, we last spoke uh, four years ago when we did this. Isn't that crazy? Yeah, it's kind of nuts. Um, at the time, we were just doing the blogs, didn't have all this stuff, as you know. And where were we? We were, we in were at armory, Aster.
2: Right? At Aster. that's yeah. right,
1: yeah. yeah. I l- really liked Aster. Yeah, it was good. Aster had this great GM for a time, uh, John, who was running things, and everything was just extraordinary there. Yeah. And then it started to go downhill and they sold, and now the hotspot's in there, which they're doing a great job. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, there's, you know, Armory is starting to get back some of that life that it used to have, I feel like. Yeah, yeah. Um, Alex and I am just talking, Kyle is uh, from Kasai Ramen is, mm-hmm. you know, now putting in four new, he's gonna have three new businesses, restaurants. Three?
2: Yeah. So I know he, he's going into the old Tusk space, yep. right? And then what else yeah. is cooking?
1: So next to that was the photography studio. Yep. They just moved over a spot. Okay. And uh, Kyle is opening up um, uh, Tap Bakehouse, which Uh is going to be a really awesome sourdough bakery. Me. And then where Charlie's Pizza was, which is right next to him, it was Provisions. Right. He is opening up Danny's Steaks, which is... Kyle's from Philly, so it's a legit cheesesteak
2: restaurant. Yeah. Which is perfect because the last place, at least that I knew of, to get a good a good steak sandwich was yeah. uh, taste of philadelphia up in eastwood yes which is now closed yeah and so that's that's a that'll be a good addition
1: yeah he's doing a good job he's like making his own cheese whiz and cool. so
2: his bakery is going to be
1: supplying the bread for all of the restaurants awesome. and baking the rolls and they should be open here in like maybe a week or two really yeah oh, that's great yeah so it's kind of cool to see that stuff it um is. picking back up in armory yeah i've been told that uh and you know i don't know how you feel about this um, so maybe it's a question for mm-hmm. you. Uh, so I've been told the old um, Urban Outfitters. Yeah, is that becoming a dispensary?
2: It's, that's my understanding. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So I, you know, I have I have mixed feelings about it. Um, yeah. You know, uh, recreational cannabis is legal. Yeah. It's coming. Uh, I just uh, I've met with the um, you know w- with the um, individuals that are proposing to put it there, and in some ways, you know, if, if it's going to be like. You know uh, uh i don't know what you compare it to but yeah. you know if, if if it's going to be a destination retail establishment mm-hmm. armory square seems like a logical place to put it yeah you know as i said to him i think the concern is and it's just kind of fear of the unknown is you know do you end up having a bunch of you know a bunch of kids that just show up and then <laughs> hang out outside you know getting high all day and stinking up the whole right. the, the neighborhood yeah. who knows um you know So I'm going into it uh, open-minded. Yeah. Um, I I do think that, uh, as I said, I actually just talked about this at at, a debate. Mm. Um, I think that the state was thoughtful uh, in going into it about trying to ensure that the communities that have been most disproportionately impacted by marijuana laws, namely communities of color, are in a position to benefit from its legalization, which is absolutely the way it should be. Yeah. So how that translates into who does business and where, you know, right. I think is going to be really important. So yeah. to be determined, but like I said, I'm going, going to do it with an open mind.
1: Yeah. I don't know how I feel. about I mean, I personally, um, I liked giving the joke. Uh, my in-laws asked me a couple months ago if I'd ever smoked weed before, <laughs> and I used the old Bill Clinton line. I never inhaled. <laughs> um, and I don't know how I feel. I personally am not a fan of marijuana. I can't stand the smell of it. It smells, yeah. Um, And nowadays, you know, driving around or walking around downtown. Smelled everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. And so for that one uh, aspect, I'm not a fan of it. But I think it'll be really interesting to see what it does for future for tax revenue for the city, for the county. Yeah. um, See what kind of an impact it has on downtown and communities all over the state. Yeah, agreed. Um, Other states have massively benefited from it. So I think it's great that New York and... Hopefully, our community will. Yeah. In some way, shape, or form. Right. Um, all right. So, four years has passed. Yeah. Uh, what's it been like? I mean, are you happy that you've, you know, were elected the mayor? I'm sure you're yes. happy you were elected, but I mean, the decision to be mayor and
2: have your life change and now be focused on all these people. Yeah. What's that been like? It's been a, a wild ride. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, there's been times when I, when I try to remind myself, oh, you know, I knew what I was signing up for. <laughs> the reality is you know, I didn't. I mean, yeah. I had a good sense of what the job entailed and mm-hmm. um, and I've enjoyed it thoroughly. And despite the pandemic, yeah. um, you know, everything else that's gone on, there is not a moment or a day that's gone by where I wanted to do anything else. So yeah. hmm. uh, so that feels good. Um you know the the pandemic was definitely a curveball um but i think you know and we're still in it which is the other the other challenge is kind of uh not knowing when and how we we are ultimately get out of it right but you know i look at pre-pandemic um we were really starting to fire on all cylinders i mean every metric that we measure ourselves by was you know was on an upward trajectory Mm -hmm. um it, the good news is, even now, most of them are. I mean, we just had census information come out yeah. that showed we grew in population for the first time in seventy years. That was huge. That's not by accident. That's significant, and yeah. um, you know, it's a combination of a number of factors. And we're still digging through the, the data, but it does appear that the investment that's taken place in the center city that's attracted younger people, millennials, has influenced it. Yeah. Uh, as has uh, our um, uh, our role as a refugee resettlement community. Yeah. Um, two really, I think, um, special dynamics of our community that that are fueling a lot of you know what you and I are enjoying in right. terms of cuisine and, <laughs> uh, and culture. So you know, population going up. Our schools, our kids have been through so much during the pandemic, but uh, our graduation rates are uh, have hit a record high. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when you look at some of the some of the issues that have that really held us back, poverty still way too high, yeah. but our poverty rate has started to go down. Um, Vacant properties, which is something I spent a lot of time on even before I was mayor. Vacant properties are down. Mm. Um, and city finances. I mean, you people were having open discussions about whether or not the city was going to be insolvent and go bankrupt you know, as recently as four years ago. We're right. not having those conversations right now. Yeah. And it's not just because of you know the federal relief funds. We had our, uh, our finances um, on a path towards stability before the pandemic. And mm. so... You know, in those ways, I, I, that that gives me a lot of hope that we've been able to do that um, in spite of the pandemic. And, yeah. it, and it gives me gets me excited to think about if we can put the pandemic behind us, where we go from here. Yeah,
1: um, I am. I've noticed it for the, maybe the last year. Surprised at the the people that I see walking around downtown. Yeah, um, that's changed so much where, you know, I'll be driving by and I'll say, you know, that person lives in Syracuse. Um so I think that's great. Syracuse is definitely attracting uh, you know, new people. And um, I think a lot of it, you know, I mean, who knows where they came from? But I think a lot of it is people, especially during the height of the pandemic, we're trying to get out of bigger cities. True. And, um, we talked, you know, since four years ago, we were Eat Local Central New York, and now we're Eat Local New York. Cool. And so we're working with 150 restaurants all across the state. Oh, that's great. And we were talking to people in, you know, Millbrook and you know, Hudson Valley area, who even just that short of a move, we in New York City, um, you know, big restaurant tours or, you know, real estate brokers who had moved to these smaller communities. Mm. Yeah. I mean, at one point, um, you know, I've been working with uh, Mayor Mark Olson and his uh, campaign for county legislator. Oh. Cool. And. At one point over the summer in Fayetteville I think there was one home available for purchase that's why uh, in all of Fayetteville because so many people had moved from out of state yeah um, so yeah um, so it hasn't been like was it more stressful you think before the
2: pandemic or after or during or so uh, I think the most stressful time was early on in the pandemic when when it Started to become clearer the financial impact that it was having on the city, yeah. and not knowing if or when Washington was going to provide direct relief to the city, yeah. that was the scariest moment. Because again, we came—I came into office with the prospects of bankruptcy not not um, imminent by any stretch, mm. but but looming out there, at least mm. being discussed. And we worked so hard over the first two years to start to close um, our our budget gap, our reliance on the fund balance. We were starting to get some positive indicators. Our, our bond rating agencies were changing their economic forecast mm-hmm. from negative to at least stable. Yeah. And so I felt really good about that, but we weren't quite there. And then for the bottom to fall out, our largest source of revenue, sales tax, yeah, just um, decimated. Right. And so and then on t- and our second source, largest source of revenue, state aid state was was hurting too so that was uh, a moment that that certainly shook me yeah um it forced us to make really difficult decisions uh we had to after adopting an initial budget in get my years right 2020 um we had to come up with a uh, contingency budget that yeah. cut an additional 18 million dollars uh, um, that we frankly couldn't afford to cut that was brutal um yeah. From the moment that the that the ARPA funding became available at the state uh, at the federal level, that was a game changer mm-hmm. because not only did it allow us to um, to to kind of stabilize our finances, yeah, for the really the first time in the job, we could think um, proactively, long term, and hmm. make strategic long term investments that would start to move the needle on some of the, you know, some of our biggest challenges. So yeah. it, it was just such a roller coaster, but Not where there. I stand now, other than the unknown of the pandemic, it's a really exciting time to be doing this job. Yeah. I think we've got some dinner coming our way. Awesome.
1: There he is. Oh, there he is. Oh. What? Nice. nice. Beautiful. Enjoy, guys. Thank, Thank you, you very much. Mm. Alex, what is this that I have? So
2: you didn't you didn't order you just told them no I said I told them I
1: said said nothing messy okay um, yeah uh, yeah man wow this looks amazing I gotta get a picture of this um, I couldn't you know I was thinking about this when it when the um, I guess I should do this yeah know, my, my phone's <laughs> over there you want to take a picture of <laughs> yeah, it yeah sure I right. say this is the mayor's dish get a bunch of likes. Um, I was thinking about it when um, the last election for County Executive mm-hmm. and at the time I was working at Cafe Kubal and you know they had the podcast going holy cow that's good hmm. um, and they had uh, County Executive on as a guest um It was kind of cool. We had Khalid on, we had Michael Green on, and then they had Tony Malavinda on. Mm-hmm. And at the time, when I heard Tony Malavinda speak, it was like, in my head, I'm thinking as a voter, I really like this guy. You yeah. know, he just seems like, and once the pandemic hit, mm-hmm. and I hope Tony doesn't listen or watch this, but once the pandemic hit, I could not have imagined mm. him in the role of county executive. Yeah. I was thinking to myself, "Thank God that somebody like Ryan McMahon is is you know yeah. here taking charge, doing his thing." Um, and I think that we look at leaders. I mean, every what everyone I'm sure has thought of this, but it's amazing the perception of a leader once that a community is in crisis like Absolutely. that. Absolutely, how that yeah. changes.
2: Yeah, yeah. I you know I um, I agree. I think that um, Ryan uh, was uniquely. Suited for that role, I think the combination of his it's just his experience, mm-hmm. um, uh, being very familiar with county government and how it works, combined with his personality, yeah. uh, you know, he doesn't mind you know um, uh, being um, you know, being in front and, yeah. and, and making hard decisions. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, it was uh, he was he was the right leader for the time. And, and like you, I, I really like Tony. He's a smart guy, yeah. really good businessman. Um, but, uh, but I think that uh, uh, Ryan was uh, uh, in the right place at the right time. And, yeah. and you know, for me, I, I'm grateful for the relationship that we had prior to the pandemic. Because mm-hmm. you know, I've known Ryan my entire life. Right. Uh, he, he was a year younger than me. We grew up two blocks from each other in Strathmore. I was on Robino, He was on Wellesley. W- went to Most Holy Rosary. and okay. to Ludden. Um, we moved out of the city, so I ended up at West Hill. He stayed in Ludden, played soccer against each other. Yeah. We were never you know, best buddies, but we were always friendly and, right. and crossed paths throughout our life. And so when the pandemic hit, we had to kind of figure out what our respective roles were. And um, I remember talking to him uh, the night before we made the, made the call on the St. Patrick's Day Parade. Yeah. And, you know, that was one where he, overseeing the county health department, had some say in it, and and we issued the permit. So we got on the phone late that night um, and uh, and made the decision. And then from then on, uh, I think that, you know, we recognized that the health department is at the county level, Mm -hmm. and so the county really needed to be playing point. And my job uh, as mayor was to, you know, was to... um, play a supporting role. And then where there were gaps or where the county didn't have capacity to address issues, you know, whether it was working with the school district to make sure kids were getting connected to food and resources, you know, I was able to block and tackle for the county exec and then, yeah. you know, and then focus in areas where he didn't have the bandwidth to, um, you know, but I had my moments where I'd have people posting on social media or texting and saying, hey, I, I see the county executive on TV every day. Why aren't right. you up that? And, you know, that for an elected official as much as I try to not, you know, let my ego get in the way that, you know, that, that, that could be tough, but I was confident Mm. in our relationship, um, confident in, in my role as mayor to say, no, he's got a job to do. I have a job to do. If we stick to what we're we're doing and not that we're always going to agree, but we stay on the same page. Yeah. We're going to be okay. And I think we did that.
1: I really like that about you because I remember when we had dinner last time, um, you know, I had asked you that question, um, uh, in regards to Mayor Minor, mm-hmm. who you know, in fairness, at the time when Mayor Minor was in office, I did not have the same interest in local politics mm-hmm. or concern as I do today. Yeah, but I remember as a resident thinking a lot of what some of what she was talking about uh, at the time I felt like was uh, pandering to attention. Mm. You know, just trying to get you know on news, mention that kind of stuff, and. I'd asked you, you know, a similar question, you know, are you here for Washington? Are you here for a state position? Is this a building block? What is going on? And your response was, my focus is, you know, be the mayor of Syracuse. My job is to make sure trash is picked up on time. Firefighters are there. Police are there. Residents are taken care of. That's it. Yeah. You know, stay in my lane. Do what I'm supposed to do as the mayor. Yeah. And not worry about anything else. I feel the same way today. Yeah.
2: Yeah.
1: As, um... Is it hard at all to keep attention, for, like, being a little bit more connected in politics today than I was mm-hmm. before, and seeing so much um, influence from outside of Syracuse, mm-hmm. outside the county, is it hard to, like, do your job as the mayor, and, and you know, kind of put the blinders on to people reaching out, saying, hey, we want you for this, we want you for that? Well.
2: So it, it is it is difficult to stay focused and to, you know, have to maintain the long view and and push your agenda forward because there are distractions every day. Yeah, there are the daily emergencies. There are outside influences, and yeah. so so that that has been a challenge. There's been a learning curve there. Um, you know, the other thing though, I would say. Is as much as I enjoy the the day-to-day governance of city government. Again, yeah. making sure things are running on time and people are getting the service that they need. Given, I don't know if it's um, if if it's if the time that we're in is unique, but I think it probably was a little naive of me to think that um, I couldn't or or shouldn't be focused on some of the. Um, you know, some of the things that are happening beyond mm. Syracuse and how they impact us. Yeah. Um, and uh, it, and so, you know, I have tried to uh, engage on issues that extend beyond Syracuse, as long as I feel like they're, they're issues that are still relevant and important to Syracuse and ultimately help us. Mm. Um, but, you know, issues around thinking about, you know, what happened during 2020 after the murder of George Floyd yeah. and, you know, issues around social and racial justice, you know, beyond just police reform, which is right. relevant for my work, but beyond that, um, you know, I think that the times do call for leaders at every level of government mm. to, you know, to, to be engaged. Yeah. Uh, and so I've tried to do that, um, while still make, making sure that, um, you know, that the, the wheels of local government are, are, are still spinning and, you know, on time. Yeah, yeah for sure. Yeah. It's, um,
1: I was just recording a podcast with uh, Mayor Olson before I came here tonight. And he had on, you know, maybe it's the last episode for the campaign podcast at least because, mm-hmm. you know, election day is coming up. Um, but he's, he's doing a phone interview with the county executive and as he's on the phone, uh, he got there early, but he's fielding 20 different phone calls from different mayors in the community and different, you know, yeah. the fire station and everybody's sit, talking about, you know, the w- weather and the rain and right. how it's happening. And, you know, he's getting a call from Mayor Brazil saying, hey, it's headed your way, get ready. Yeah. You know, it's you know, so the creek and all that kind of stuff. Well,
2: I'll, I'll tell you, I give I give Mayor Olson a lot of credit. He was one of the mayors that, um, that I got to know early on on mm-hmm. the job, and participated um, somewhat in the County Mayor's Association. And I remember being really impressed with his just his his knowledge, not just about you know, yeah. his own government, but just how local governments work. And I remember hearing him at one of the meetings and thinking, "Wow, that's that's you know how how I want to sound yeah. um, after you know a year on the job and, um, and 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 be in a position where he is where he can still do the day-to-day stuff, but look beyond it and be in right. a position where you're overseeing, you know, the County Mayors Association, for example. Yeah. You know, uh, I was asked early on to join the Executive Committee of the New York Conference of Mayors, hmm. and I did it as a favor to uh, Mayor McCarthy and Schenectady, who I got to know a little bit. Uh, but the reality was I didn't have the bandwidth to be, you yeah. know, substantively um, influencing what was happening at Nycom. I hope to have, if I'm reelected, to have more time to do that. But, you know, you got to take care of, uh, you know, <laughs> Um, home base first, yeah, know, but, for sure. You no, know, but when you get to a point where you can lend your, you know, your platform uh, to other issues, I think it's important that you do. Yeah, um, one of my favorite, and you know, I,
1: I won't say that. Well, one of my favorite things that I've ever seen that's happened in politics, and maybe it's just because I was a little bit more um, and you know, involved in watching and knowing some of the things that were happening at the time but one of my favorite things and uh well let's just say it's my short time in local political history mm-hmm. is the westcott massacre huh. um that yeah. is by far um and i won't say you know to me well i'll give you my perspective on it so for anybody listening who doesn't know what the westcott massacre is it was you were having was it dems for walsh dems for ben yeah. okay so you're having a press conference up at the westcott theater You have people in attendance with you, Mm -hmm. and you're standing out front. You're back to the door, and marching up the street is, um, was it her campaign manager? Among others, yeah. Okay, so it was a group of people, and from my memory that they were saying in Spanish, but I don't know if that's accurate or not, but they were basically louder than loud, and you have a microphone, right? and they are so loud that they're drowning you know, you out yep. in this, this supportive group yep. for you, saying Juanita for mayor, something yep. to that effect. There was some c play day in there as well. Right. Yep. And so, and that was, not that you weren't doing well before then,
2: mm-hmm.
1: but that was the thing that, like, turned the tide. It was a turning point, for sure. I mean, Juanita was like, it was neck and neck. Maybe she had an edge, mm-hmm. and then the Westcott massacre happens, and... All of a sudden, and the post-standard did a wonderful job of covering that yeah. and saying exactly what it was. Yeah. But then all of a sudden,
2: you just, you know, I mean, yeah. that's one of the things that probably led to you being elected. The, 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 that campaign was all about moments and yeah. momentum, and it just built perfectly. But that was absolutely a turning point. Yeah. And I remember, as is, is kind of rattling as it was at the time, you know, when we were trying to speak, you know, speak over right. the shouting, I remember standing there, it was almost like slow motion, uh, and somebody came up to me and said, why are you smiling? And I said, I think this is good. I think this is a good thing. And I just had a feeling uh, about it, and sure enough, um, it it was. Yeah. I mentioned it to Counselor Bay yesterday,
1: and I think that it's, I told him, it's, it's arguably, well, not arguably. It is better for humanity. But this election has felt and been so different compared to the last one. Yeah. You know, I remember the. I made the comment that, it, you know, one of the debates with um, yourself and Juanita and Laura and Howie, um, the four of you were sitting on a couch. I forget who the moderator was uh, for Syracuse.com, mm-hmm. but it looked like the two kids arguing and the parents on the outside yeah. not saying anything. They couldn't get a word in yeah, because it was really a lot of just, you know, her attacking you and you were like defending yourself. And yeah. um, for pure entertainment, that was a wonderful election. Sure. Um, but uh, this one, it hasn't, it hasn't been that way. I haven't seen any of that at least.
2: No, it, you know, it really hasn't. And it's, it's not my style. Um, yeah. I, I like to, you know, I, I pride myself on it. If yeah, look get, it
1: be, you were not the aggressor in that one. Right, like, but, but at yeah. the
2: same time, if I, if I get punched, I'm going to punch back. Right. And, and, you know, I, I, I did then, and, and I have now. Mm. But I don't know if it's, um, you know, uh, Counselor Bay and I go back a long way. Yeah, and We've worked together in a, in a few different capacities. And so there's a familiarity there and, uh, and a comfort level that... Um, that I think has allowed us to maintain, you know, a level of respect yeah. between each other. And there, you know, there's been a couple of times where um, a couple of the debates have gotten a little heated. Yeah. Uh, but uh, after each one, you know, we shake hands and right. and I and I, I was just saying today we just had our last debate today that I feel good that we that we were able to you know to maintain that throughout.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's. I think it's really important. I mean especially after the presidential election you kind of expect a certain um, you know level of things to go on
2: mm-hmm.
1: and and yeah especially i can't wait to see the spectrum one but the Syracuse.com one with chris baker you know mm-hmm. moderating yeah both of you had your comments that came at, at the end of your time mm-hmm. um, and you you know both of you would respond but definitely not to the level that it was 4 right. years ago and um, i think that's a glimmer of hope for humanity maybe Good. or, Good. uh, for Syracuse that, um, we've, you know, uh, we've, uh, to use your own tagline, we've rise you know, risen above. Yeah. You know, absolutely. The, yeah. Um, so it's been, I can't say that it's been crazy exciting. Um, I would agree. So one thing that has, and I'm one thing is it it's just drove me crazy over the past year uh-huh uh I'm Italian and Sicilian and then on my on my dad's side on my mom's side it's everything right Irish and Scottish and German and you know you name it
2: yeah
1: um and uh you know my grandparents were one hundred percent you know italian and um uh my grandfather's sicilian grandmother's Italian uh you know we're just a very different yeah you know, we're third fourth generation removed. Right. Um, We're not like a part of the Italian-American League, my wife and I, or anything like that. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't really care too much about the Columbus statue. Mm -hmm. Like, if there's a group of people that feel that it's, you know, hurtful to them and the history of, you know, Christopher Columbus, whatever. If there's a group of people, I feel like, as a community, you should be inclusive you should be seeking to lift anybody up and you know ensure that without uh, I, but, you know, ensure that people are cared for yeah me, i guess is the yeah. best way to say that yeah. so i personally don't care if the statue stays or goes mm-hmm. what does drive me crazy with it is whoever this group of people are that are attacking you over this statue yeah is the signs are one thing um but and you know being you know owning a marketing company and running facebook ads and seeing the amount yeah. of money that they're spending yeah and the you know i often i i do enjoy trolling people that deserve it <laughs> from time to time <laughs> uh-huh. and most of the time when i see that <laughs> ad i comment with who are the idiots that are funding this uh-huh. like because to me i have no idea who those people are mm-hmm. but the fact that However they feel about you or your decision or your views on what should happen with the Columbus statue. Yeah. The fact that there's someone out there that's running a picture, a Facebook ad, that has your picture and then a shadow of Pinocchio on the back to me. Yeah. And a community is inexcusable.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I think it does their cause a disservice for sure. Yeah. Um, yeah you know, it really doesn't bother me for that very point that I think it probably hurts their cause more than it, it helps it right. Um it's a, it, it's a shame. It's really unfortunate that we're in this you know I, I, I went about I tried to address this <clears throat> topic in a way that um, that moves our community towards healing right. and I think um, a few things happened that have have inhibited our ability to do that you know one is that, Given how and when the decision came to light, um, you know, at at the height of the you know the the racial justice protests, it has given those that disagree with my decision uh, kind of an easy out to say that that was a flash in the pan moment in time. Mm. You caved to cancel culture, and you know now we're back to normal where everything's fine, right? And I think that that does a disservice to. The many people over many decades who have said, "You know what? This isn't um, this isn't okay." And yeah. this symbol, while we understand the history behind how how it came to be, which is important and yeah. not something that should, we, we should erase, and I ne- would never support, um, regardless of intent, has led to um, pain and and a feeling of oppression or marginalization among a certain constituency within the community, and, right. and, it, and it's not just limited to you know, the Onondaga Nation or do indigenous communities, their communities of color and others. And so I, and that's been around for a long time. Uh, So, so again, I think to suggest that this is about, again, either 2020 or cancel culture, anything else, um, isn't, isn't accurate. Um, You know, I, I happen to think, um, and I recognize that I'm, I'm I'm not Italian, um, that, that they're- Oh, you're not? I'm I'm not. (laughs) Although, you know, I certainly love the food and the wine. Yeah. that uh, <clears throat> that I, I just feel that that there has to be a better way to celebrate our local Italian American heritage, sure. tell the story of how and why the Columbus statue was erected, yeah. while still being able to um, you know to make modifications to change things. Um, I just think I think that there's there's a better way. And yeah. and you know what 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 I wish happened was what happened in Buffalo, which is where that you know the. Italian American community. I think we have to be careful when we talk about the community, right? You're right. a part of the community. Yeah. There are a lot of, I've heard from many, many Italians that feel the same way that you do. Yeah. So I don't, I don't want to paint with too broad of a brush. Right. But th- those that, let's say the Columbus Monument Corporation, those that really care about that, that statue, if they were to have t- you know, um, done what was done in Buffalo, was to acknowledge um, you know, the, the, the issue. Uh, and, and control their own destiny and be able to call the shots that you know I, I presented that as you know, my desired outcome to them and, and yeah. they, they weren't having it. Hmm. Um, and then I felt that I needed to make a decision because that's what leaders do. And, and even in making the decision, you know I didn't show up uh, and, and rip it down overnight, right We've had a thoughtful process. Um, there is a there is a formal legal process that needs to take place that involves the Landmark Preservation Board and the Syracuse uh, Public Art Commission. Yeah. all that is yet to come um, but again, I've tried to be thoughtful I've tried to be respectful uh, and it is unfortunate that it has continued to drag out and, and be this divisive issue in the community but yeah. I'm, I'm committed to to getting through it and to ultimately getting to a place of healing yeah has it has it been um, I mean,
1: I know you are. And hopefully it's true. Uh, more put together than I am. Uh, but I know that if I have a plan for, you know, everybody has a, I forget who, who has the famous quote, but everybody has a plan until they get punched in the yeah, face. Mike, right? Dyson, yeah. Mike Tyson. So was it difficult over the last four years to stick to some sort of a plan that you had when you were first elected? Yes.
2: Yeah. yeah. I mean, besides I mean, the pandemic, right? Yeah. Um, again, the the, the pandemic, um, the you know the the, the movement uh, around uh, around social justice and police reform. Um, if I could just speak on that yeah. one for a minute, because that was kind of the other thing that was, you know, that certainly wasn't anticipated. You know, when I uh, when I took the job, I made a decision that uh, I wanted to bring in a new chief. Uh, that I wanted to do a national search. Chief Howler was good enough to be willing to serve for another year to allow us to do that. We did that. A lot of the conversations that were being had out on the streets in 2020, we had in the community. Um, We had uh, community meetings throughout the city. We heard really painful stories from people about their interactions with, with law enforcement. And all of that informed my decision to hire Chief Buckner and Chief Buckner was brought in as a reform chief. And that doesn't mean that you know we didn't that, that we felt that the Syracuse Police Department had to be, you know, completely overhauled. There's a lot of really good officers and really good work that takes place, but we needed a fresh set of eyes and Chief Buckner brought that. Yeah. And and he came in as a reform chief and he initiated reform. And prior to George Floyd, I, I I was I was proud of the progress that we were making on reform. But when that came to be, um, the calls for a forum became louder and became more urgent yeah and we tried to, we tried to heed those calls but that that led to a you know a level of involvement and investment in time that you know that that we hadn't anticipated yeah and so just like you know just like covid we tried to keep everything moving forward but the reality is you know we only have so much capacity and right. you know, there was a there was a you know a significant stretch where much of the capacity of, of my office between me and the deputy mayor uh, at a minimum uh, not to mention the police department is really consumed by that um, I think we're better off for it right but to your question it certainly makes you know uh, executing the long-term plan and keeping everything moving along at the same time challenging yeah. oh I bet yeah.
1: you know I don't know you know, I, um, you know I talk to friends who I'm a registered independent. I typically try to vote Libertarian when I can. Mm. Um, I grew up in a really Republican household. Mm -hmm. You know, when I could first go into um, the voting booth, I pretty much just went right along the R line, Mm. you know, not knowing anything about the candidates or Mm -hmm. what the issues were or anything like that. Um, And, you know, that's changed. And I feel like I have friends that are on both extremes. Mm -hmm. And... um, so, some of my friends who, you know, in the city who are talking about the need for transparency and, you know, you know the forums and, you know, the review boards and uh-huh. all that kind of stuff. Um, I think, yeah, that makes sense. There should be more transparency. Right. Um, and then I have family that are in, you know, federal and, you know, local law enforcement. And I think about the things that I hear from them. And... You know, the need to, you know, keep them protected because they can be targeted more. Sure. Um, Just as people of color can be targeted from police officers Mm -hmm. and law enforcement that arguably shouldn't be in those positions Mm -hmm. with those, if they are those type of people. But so I kind of, you know, I don't know. I go back and forth on it. I've had experiences with our police in Syracuse as I was arrested for. No, I'm just kidding. Um, (laughs) uh, We had... um, uh during the pandemic we had that summer uh we had a a home i live on the north side i live in hood oh nice
2: um it's not nice mayor Walsh. thank you but um i I actually really like hood uh we need to pave hood f yeah Um, that's on our list hopefully for next year and there's some good housing stock but there's some quality of life challenges for sure
1: i was fortunate we bought when we moved in i bought the house five years ago first house i've ever owned um To be quite frank, if I'd known what Hood was going to and Hood isn't bad. It's not Ross Park, but there's a lot worse, and I do feel too privileged in saying that, you know, Hood, whatever. But if I had known five years ago that I should have waited and saved another $10,000, I could have been in a suburb. I arguably would have. Mm. Uh, But having said that, um, I was able to purchase the empty lot next to my home for Mm a dollar, you know. And so now we have this nice yard and, you know. Hopefully one day when I'm not working 20 hours a day, I'll do something nice and, you know, beautiful with it. Um, But so we had a home break in and they, you know, we had three issues of robberies at our home. I'm sorry to hear that. And two of them were our faults. One of them, um, we were both gone. (laughs) Our dog buddy was at our, my in-laws because we were just coming back from vacation. And uh, we didn't have a home security system at the time. And did not. We did not. Mm And we left the living room window open. Mm. And I had these two big bushes right in front of the house that just made Good it perfect cover. for somebody to slip in and nobody saw anything. Yeah. Unfortunately, they they got about $10,000 oh. worth of like camera gear and stuff. Oh. Now, I got a panic call from my wife. I was 45 minutes away at the time. And she said, were you home? Um, I said, no, why? And she said, because um, like drawers something was dumped out on the bed she you know in my true fashion thought that maybe i was in a rush came home and and i as soon as she said i said go get Get in your car i called nine one one. um a friend of ours who's a parole officer showed up uh just before the police but the police arrived pretty quickly and they sat with her they you know went through the house nothing came of it unfortunately um and so, you know, we took the bushes down. We got a security system, yeah. you know, all that kind of stuff. Um, about two weeks later, I can tell you this now uh, because they're gone. But we had um, backyard chickens uh, for a, about a year. Okay. <laughs> um, I will just say there should be more clarity on some of those rules because I talked
2: to three different departments, and we, uh, re, with our with our rezone, we're gonna we're gonna clarify rules, and you'll yeah. be able to have some chickens. Sweet, legally. I, I got rid of them now, so. Okay. Uh, um,
1: So, uh, I can tell you about all the bad stuff I did. No, I'm just kidding. Um, uh, but so we had them, but we had an issue of like neighborhood kids trying to break into the front porch. Um, uh, and at that time, and the, the challenge there was, now we didn't call 911 because it wasn't life threatening. Mm -hmm. Um, but calling a non-emergency line, it took about an hour and a half for police to show up. And it was like a repeated thing that day. Yeah. they wound up did you know what you know finding the kids? They were young enough, you know. They talked to the parents, yeah. yada yada yada. Yeah. Nobody was hurt. Um, and then a third time of left a car unlocked, somebody broke in and stole, you know, some change and yep. stuff like that. Yep. Um, so I don't know. I've you know, I've heard counselor Bae, counselor Bay's response to. You know, police li- being required, new hires mm-hmm. being required to live in the city. Uh-huh. I don't know how I feel about that. Uh-huh. Um, I can understand the point of view of if they're in the city, if they're living, if they're city residents, they're going to have more of an investment in the community. <coughs> yep. You know, more of an investment in the people, know them by name, things like that. Um, but what do you think is your biggest challenge as mayor with <coughs> regards to the police force in terms of retaining Police officers yeah. to stay attracting new
2: ones to come in yeah. and apply. Like, what is that biggest yeah. challenge? It's there's so many challenges. I, you know, again, looking back at four years ago, um, I, uh, I I knew that the police department was going to occupy a lot of my attention. I don't think I fully understood how much, and yeah. it's because you get because it's not just in one area. Um, certainly, that the, the crime that happens, especially the violent crime. That in and of itself occupies a lot of yeah. my attention. <clears throat> sure. um, but then on the you know on, on the other side on the you know, whether it's the the reform side the discipline side the community side there's a lot. And so what I've what I've tried to do and you know uh, admittedly we're still figuring it out. But right. What I've tried to do number one is to not fall into that kind of you know false choice or dichotomy that you know you're either going to Blindly back the blue or you're going to defund the police. Right. Never never bought into that. Even at the height of the protests, yeah. uh, you know there was a, at one point, and I caught a lot of grief for it by members of the community, where I said, you know, you don't have to pick sides. And people like, oh, you know, you're right. just being um, equivocal or whatever. Uh, but but I, I really believe it. Chief Buckner says it best uh, when it comes to the issue of police reform, police accountability. If you have the ability to take someone's life in liberty... You should be held to the highest possible standard, yeah. and I believe that. Uh, and and while the vast majority of officers, um, you know, uh, live up to that uh, high standard, not all of them do. Mm-hmm. And for those that don't, we do need to hold them accountable. And I do think historically, not unique to Syracuse, um, account there has been a lack of accountability with <clears throat> with yeah. police officers in law enforcement in general. So so that needs to change. The challenge is, and this is where you know I'm, I'm still learning is. How you do that in a way that the officers still feel respected, valued, yeah. protected. And, and, you know, that's been really hard, especially over the past year as there's been a national focus. And, you know, I've talked to officers and they, and um, it's really frustrating for them. And yeah. I get it because, again, they're the ones putting their lives on the line. Um, they're the ones, uh, unfortunately, often in really difficult situations where the people that they are serving are not treating them, them with the same level of respect that we're expecting them to treat uh, th- those that they serve. That's all really hard. Not to mention the fact that more often than not, when they're engaging with our constituents, it's when our, when our constituents are at their very worst, whether mm. it's because their home got broken into right. or because somebody that they love got hurt. Uh, so it's really, really difficult. Um, you know what? What we so that being said, anytime I see a police officer, if I if I have a minute, I stop, I say hello, make sure yeah, I say I appreciate what you're doing. I know yeah. it's not easy. Stay safe. I try to do the little things. Um, I try to do the, the the more public things. You know, we, we there's been a lot of controversy around the police contract that we negotiated with the PBA. Um, I tried to show through that negotiation that while we certainly wanted certain things out of it, including police residency for our, our city residency for our new police officers um, and other things that you know, we, were, you know, we were willing to increase the cost of living and, and because we valued that. Right. Um, and so I've tried to, to, to do those things. But you know, there's no doubt. And I do think that some of it is influenced by you know, politics and some of it's influenced by the national narratives, um, that there are, I'm sure, a number of officers that don't feel that I value them or respect them. And that, you know, that bothers me, but right. it's just the reality of it. And so all I can do is just try to try to do that, you know, all the while hmm. keeping this community safe. Right. Because that's really <clears throat> job number one for me yeah. is public safety. And and we need the police <clears throat> department for that. We need our police officers. They're not the only solution for sure. I'm, uh, you know, as an example, the, the, the kids that, uh, that 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 broke into your house, you know, b- my feeling is that the, the best way that I can help those kids is by, you know, giving them you know, parks programming and a job in the summer mm-hmm. than, you know, throwing them for up sure. in Hillbrook, right? Yeah. So, so it's, it goes far beyond uh, the police department, but we need to make sure that when you or any other city resident calls 911 or calls the police, that you get an adequate response and you're protected. Yeah. And so it's a lot of balls to juggle. Yeah. Um, and it's, again, it's what I signed up for. Yeah. I think we've, I, I think overall, when you look at a you know, big picture, I think we've done uh, a fairly good job, but there's absolutely room for improvement
1: you're at a massive disadvantage i feel like just hearing listening to you talk because you know you're coming off of four years of doing the job and you know i feel like you're held to a higher like level of scrutiny than somebody who's you know i love counselor bay uh i think he's a great guy uh i think he's been a a good you know counselor and Mm -hmm. he he could make a great leader Mm -hmm. um but I don't know if he's held or, Jan- or you, know, Jan- you know, I don't want to forget about Janet. Everybody always says that, but, you know, <laughs> Republicans are never going to be mayor of Syracuse. Uh-huh. Um, uh, they're not held to the same scrutiny, I don't feel like, yeah. as you are. Yeah. You know, it's like you've been, it's like, you know, the job review of what you've done over the sure. last four years. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Um, so there's one area, one neighborhood, you know. I I live in hood. I, my office is in the Delavan center. You know, I'm downtown a Mm -hmm. lot. I'm in the suburbs a lot, but I'm in downtown a lot Mm -hmm. and I have to drive down butternut. Mm -hmm. My wife refuses to drive down butternut. You know, she works for the department of health. So, um, she's right above wildflowers, but, um, she refuses to do butternut. Mm -hmm. I was telling, telling them that we went to St. Urban the other night for our anniversary dinner. And she said, we're going out somewhere nice. Please don't take butternut. (laughs) Um, uh, if there is one neighborhood
2: that you could snap your fingers fix it, what do you think it would be? So, <clears throat> I, I don't know that I can pick one neighborhood, but I but I think I, I my mind goes to where what what you were just talking about. So, what I like to say about Syracuse is we have pockets of excellence, um, wonderful neighborhoods, you know, dense dynamic ur- urban environments, um, but we have significant gaps. <clears throat> A lot of those gaps are along our neighborhood business corridors. Butternut is one. The one for me that you know that that evokes similar feelings of just you know. Well, I'll, t- I'll just say it. South Gaddis Street and yeah. North Gaddis Street for that yeah. matter. So that's what you know, I live on on the west side, and I, I'm on Gaddis every day. Yeah. And yeah, and right. there's 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 nothing more frustrating than for me as the mayor. Right. You know, I can't curse somebody and say how can you let there be litter on the street <laughs> or how can you let you know uh, th- those storefronts go vacant, um, but the reality is, you know what you're seeing out along those corridors is a reflection of the real challenges that we are facing in the city. Yeah. And I, I'm I, I'm not going to lie when when you said when you talked about moving to the suburbs, that that hurt a little bit. <laughs> and so I'm gonna. It may sound a little defensive here, but but here's here's something that everyone has to keep in mind. <clears throat> what you're seeing on Butternut Street, what you're seeing on South Gadda Street, North Gatta Street, uh, that is the face of Many of the ills of society, Yeah. substance abuse, For sure. mental health issues, poverty. And those aren't city issues. Those are society issues. Yeah. And I can tell you, if you were to stop and talk to some of the individuals that you see walking down the street, particularly struggling on the street, because mm. I've done it. You're going to talk to kids from Fayetteville, right. from Oswego, from Fulton. Um, you know, the city disproportionately bears the burden yes. of you know what uh, of, of what, you know, of the ills of our society. Right. And so, you know, I, I don't say that to as an excuse or for people to feel sorry for us. Yeah. I do think that there needs to be a greater understanding and recognition of that. I think that there are a lot of people that live outside of the city that that think that somehow they're, you know, where they live is special or unique, that they don't have those problems and that right. like the city is special and unique in a bad way. That's not how it works. Yeah, um, it, you know there are some legitimate reasons for why those challenges are concentrated in the center city. There's there's density um, that allows for you know service provisions and other things that just isn't efficient outside sure. of the city. But it's also the result of very intentional government policies from redlining yeah. to exclusionary zoning that takes place to this day in our suburban communities that don't allow affordable housing to go in yeah. to them. And so I think we all need to uh, recognize that and and then work together to solve it. And and so, um, but yes, I I, I feel you on Butternut. You know, what I can say is we we have made investments there. Um, uh, You know, you saw some of the new housing that Housing Visions did. I think that helps a little bit. We need to do more to support the the existing businesses that are there. I'm happy to report that your stretch of Butternut, Mm -hmm. uh, north of Butternut Circle, We are starting this week on that long planned uh, Dig Once project. It's all going to be started on the construction. Okay. (laughs) Oh, (laughs) I figured that that would have to come up at some point. So, well, it's not downtown. Um, But but, um, the the Dig Once project that Assemblyman Magnarelli secured $10 million for, um, which was delayed by the pandemic, is starting this week. We're going to start with some utility improvements, and then the real project will be done um, next week. But... You want to talk about roads? Bring it. I'm ready. <laughs> I
1: liked, I mean, I will say, you know, um, you know. of course, driving around, being five minutes late for a meeting, mm-hmm. you know, I'm going to curse whoever was responsible for the construction in downtown. You can curse me. Uh, <laughs> um, but, uh, um, yeah, it, it was awful. It was really bad, you know, and... At the end of the day, for somebody like me, you know, who cares? I was five minutes late for a meeting or I just sit in traffic. I mean, Syracuse doesn't get traffic mm-hmm. except for 81, you know. And so at the end of the day, whatever. Yeah, It was a little, you know, irritating at best yep. for most.
2: Yep.
1: But you have somebody like, um, you know, this is his statement. So I'm not saying that this is pure fact, mm-hmm. right? Um, but you have somebody like Devin who owned the Brinewell Eatery. Yeah. Now... Unique restaurant, you know, one of a kind in terms of garbage plates yeah. in Syracuse. Horrible location. Jefferson just sucks mm. for you know food. Mm-hmm. Um, you know that one spot that now Cafe Kubal occupied was a lot of different places. You know, Gannons at one point. Yeah. Yep. You know, even the location that Devin was in was a lot of different restaurants yeah. from different points. You'd think it would work, as you've got you know the county, you know the courthouse, and you've got common space and. You would think, yeah. but really, if you don't capture it, then you're not going to capture it. Mm-hmm. So struggles from day from the pandemic, and he yeah. says as much. But he did say that you know the construction really did him in. Yeah. And even his final day in business, the road was shut down, yeah. Yeah. and people couldn't drive there. <clears throat> yeah. So my question is, mm-hmm. it's not like hey, now defend yourself. But my question, my concern with it is, and I don't know what. The city's responsibility mm-hmm. is to reach out to the businesses yeah. and say hey this is <coughs> happening yeah. let's see what we can do but this that smallish scale of downtown road construction yeah and i do love driving on new paved roads so sure. thank you for that um but what happens when i81 construction happens yeah. and it's on such a more massive scale
2: yeah we have a lot to say i'm going to try to be uh, <laughs> uh, brief so number one i when i read uh when i when I read that about Devin, yeah, I called him. Uh, I'd never had a real conversation with him before, but I. Yeah. But my wife is from Rochester. We love garbage plates. Nice. I got the Syracuse garbage plate. She got the Rochester garbage plate. Yeah, uh, Hoffman's, Swigels, like, yeah, love it. Right. I was so excited when they opened, and and they were one of like, especially at the height of the pandemic when we were getting a lot of takeout. Like that was one of our spots. He was so one so of the
1: first. I will just say, <clears> that to his own delivery platform. Huh. He was like. That. I think he was like maybe the. One of the only. Yeah. He built his own delivery platform wow. to avoid Grubhub and Doordash.
2: That's cool. So I felt terrible when I read it, and I called him, and I told him I felt terrible, and and you know he, he we talked about it, and he did you know everything that you said. You know, the pandemic was really the yeah. you know the, the critical issue, but yeah, the 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 streets was just at a time when there was no room for error. Right. It would, the timing couldn't have been worse. Yeah. And and, and I, I, you know I, I truly feel badly about that. And I think that there's a couple of things that um that you have to take into consideration number one is um you know our our streets um uh are in rough shape and have been for a long time yeah. there's a lot of deferred maintenance there and when I came into office, I was focused on catching up um and so just for some perspective in two thousand seventeen, the year before I was mayor, the city paved four miles of roads mm. this year we're going to pave more than 24 miles of roads, and that doesn't even, take, that doesn't even count what's, what we're doing downtown because that's part of a federally funded, yeah. actually two federally funded projects. So we are doing a lot more, yeah. um, and, and, and we need to. And as I've said, you know, this is what living in a growing city feels like. Yeah. Um, the, what was particularly challenging about the downtown projects is um, they are federally funded projects. They take years to plan. You have a, sp- a specific time frame uh, in which to spend the money. And one of the two projects, the state and Salina project, uh, we anticipated being essentially through downtown this year. Yeah. And the pandemic slowed it up. So we had that one that we still needed to get through. And then the other one, which is the Montgomery, Clinton, whatever, which yeah. is kind of a hodgepodge of downtown streets that we lumped together because they were eligible for fu- uh, federal funding. And it was a perfect storm. Hmm. <clears throat> now, when you look at the impact of the pandemic, you know, you could make the argument, well, you know, it's the pandemic. So if there, if, if there's ever a time to do it, you know, maybe you do do it when it, right. it's better when there aren't, you know, a ton of people down, the, down yeah. there. But at, on the, at the same end, there's a lot of businesses that are, you know, that are just barely getting by. And again, any little thing like that can have a significant difference. Hmm. So uh, a significant impact. So it, in retrospect, um, I think that, the 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 federally funded projects concentrating those even if they were uh, one year behind the other um, having gone through it now i i i think we would do it differently and and probably try to spread it out a little bit more maybe not concentrate it all downtown um, but you know it, it it is it was necessary the other thing that i'll mention and then i'm going to shut up <laughs> is that we're doing a lot more dig once right now yeah. so in 2018 yeah. We had a water main break on the 300 block of Slina Street. And I was yeah. standing on the edge of the pit and they were talking they were showing me where they fixed it, and they said, Oh, but the whole, you know, you should see both sides is just oh, shot. Yeah. And I said, Okay, so we're gonna fix this one, we're gonna fill it in, and then aren't we coming in here in a year or two to pave it? And they said, Yeah. And I said, Well, are we gonna fix the water line? And they said, Well, we don't really have that in the budget. And I said, We're gonna find it in the budget because that's nuts, and that's yeah. what we've been doing for far too long. So number of different areas, Montgomery Street, Salinas Street. We added additional time by going in, fixing the water lines and the sewer lines beforehand. But um, it's been disruptive. Uh, I just keep saying, you know, short-term pain, long-term gain. But that pain is real for some. And, yeah. and it's, uh, I, it, you know, I, I feel badly about it. Yeah. So
1: my last question for you is sure. if there is one thing, I know we talk about one neighborhood, but if there is one thing that you could change, one issue in the city, again, you know, you're reelected. November third, stress is over, uh, and you say, "I can change this one. I don't have to worry about council uh, you know, approving it. I don't have to worry about funding
2: or anything. I can change this. What is it?" Mm. That's hard." Um, I mean, I, th- I think the easy answer I'm not sure it's the right one, but you know, I think that so much of what, um, so much of what challenges our community is, is rooted in, uh, in poverty. Um, we just have far too many people struggling in this community. The reason I say it's hard is because there's so many uh, other related factors., yeah. you know uh, systemic racism, substance abuse, mental health issues. Um, and, and then when you combine uh, all of those things with you know with poverty, it just makes for, yeah really, you know, seemingly intractable, Challenges that uh, that I think you know, if if we could get people um, more opportunity, we could start to work through some of those other issues. So yeah, I'd, I'd probably come up with something maybe a little better if I had more time to think about it. But that's immediately what comes to mind. Um, there's just too many people struggling in this community. You know, related to that is violence. Yeah, um, I mean, by far the, the the hardest part of my job has been to you know, whether it's standing on a crime scene in the emergency room or in a family's living room that just lost somebody. And there's no more helpless feeling than that because there's nothing that I can do to bring those people back. Right. Um, But all I can say to them and to you is that I'm going to do everything in my power to try to make sure that um, it doesn't happen to anybody else and that we do change things. But, you know, again, that's all of those issues are related. Yeah. Um, And and, Hmm. we just need to isolate them address them and just continue to try to do better. And, um, that's what I'm going to continue to try to do. Yeah.
1: Well, thank you so much. I appreciate you taking time to do this. I know it's close. You've got a week left.
2: Yeah. Uh, I'm
1: very <coughs> excited for next week to see what the results cool. are going to be. And, me too. uh, yeah, thank you so much.
2: Thanks for having me. Thanks for dinner. It was amazing. I feel somewhat defeated that I didn't finish it. <laughs> uh, I love it. Uh, yeah. so thank you. Yeah.
0: Well, there it is, everybody. Thank you so much for listening to the local New York podcast. I really appreciate it. I hope that you learned something from these two episodes. You know, if anything, I just wanted to introduce the listeners, the viewers to who these two candidates are. No offense to Janet, who's running as the Republican. It's just... I'm sure Janet's a wonderful person. You know, I have a bad taste in my mouth from four years ago because when I tried to reach out to Laura's campaign about having her on the podcast, they turned me down or they just didn't respond, I think. Um, and, you know, also Republicans, you're not going to get elected as you know, mayor of Syracuse for a while. I don't think it's going to happen. Anyways, thanks for listening to the podcast you want to learn more about Eat Local New York, you can find us online at eatlocalnewyork.com. You can visit us on our Facebook or Instagram page where we're most active. We're also on TikTok and Twitter and our YouTube channel where we post the video version of all these episodes. Again, thanks so much for listening to the podcast. Make sure you get out there and vote.